Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection, that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great Western Fathers of the Church. Known as the Doctor of Grace, St. Augustine has left us powerfully insightful works, such as On the Trinity and the Confessions, to name only a few. He has also penned hundreds of homilies, and this week we listen to an excerpt from Homily 69, an excerpt wherein St. Augustine reflects on Jesus' command to accept his yoke and its relationship to the virtue of humility, a virtue so essential for the living of the spiritual life with Jesus. And now, an excerpt from Sermon 69 by St. Augustine of Hippo. In the Gospel, we heard the Lord, in the liveliest of moods, say to God the Father, I confess you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the knowing, and have revealed them to the little ones. Even so, Father, because thus it was decreed in your presence, all things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and whoever the Son wishes to reveal him to. We ministers labor as we try to speak loudly and clearly. You labor as you try to listen. So let us listen to him, as he goes on to say, Come to me, all you who labor. Why, after all, do we all labor? Isn't it because we are mortal beings, fragile, weak, carrying along with us our earthen vessels, which don't leave each other much room here? But if the vessels of flesh are all squashed together, 
the space made by charity can always expand. So why does he say, Come to me, all you who labor, to save you surely from laboring. And anyway, he has his promise ready to hand. He called along those who labor, and they would probably ask what advantage they were called along to. And I, he says, will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, not how to construct the world, not how to create all things, visible and invisible, not how to perform miracles in this world and raise the dead, but because I am meek and humble of heart. Do you want to be great? Start from the bottom. Are you thinking of constructing a great skyscraper of a building? First, give thought to the foundation of humility. And however much anybody may wish to spend on piling story upon story in his building, the bigger the building is meant to be, the deeper he digs the foundation. As the building is being constructed, of course, it rises higher and higher. But the one who is digging the foundations is pushed down lower and lower. So the building has to be humbled before it reaches its loftiest height. And its topmost pinnacle can only be erected after it has been humbled to the depths. What is the topmost pinnacle of the building we are striving to construct? How far does the top of our skyscraper reach? I'll tell you straight away, as far as the sight of God himself. You can see how high that is. What a great thing it is to see God. Any of you who long for this will understand what I am saying and you are hearing. We have been promised the sight of God, of the true God, of the supreme God. This really is a wonderful thing, to see the one who sees. I mean, those who worship false gods can easily see them, but they see ones who have eyes and do not see. But we have been promised the vision of the God who lives and sees. And so the God we should be yearning to see is the one of whom Scripture says, Will he who planted the ear not hear? Does he who fashioned the eye not observe? So does the one who made you something to hear with not hear himself? And does he not see the one who created the means for you to see with? In this psalm, 
he very neatly prefaces those words with these. Understand, therefore, you who are unwise among the people, and you fools, come sooner or later to your senses. You see, this is why many people do wrong, imagining that they are not noticed by God. It's difficult, of course, for them to believe he can't see, but they assume he doesn't want to. You won't find many people so totally irreligious that they fulfill the text, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Few hold this crazy idea. Just as there aren't many people who are deeply religious, so there aren't many who are totally irreligious. But what I'm going to say now is what the crowd says. Look, do you really think God takes trouble to know what I do in my house? That God cares tuppence what I choose to do in my bed? Well, who is it that says, Understand you who are unwise among the people, and you fools, come sooner or later to your senses. Being a mere man, it takes you quite a lot of trouble to know everything that goes on in your house and to ensure that what your slaves say and do gets back to you. But do you imagine it's any trouble like that for God to pay attention to you, seeing that it was no trouble at all for him to create you? Having made your eyes, will he not turn his own on to you? You didn't exist, and he created you to bring you into being. Now that you do exist, will he not care for you? He that summons the things that are not as though they were? So you shouldn't kid yourself about this. Willy-nilly, he sees you, and there is nowhere you can hide yourself from his eyes. If you climb up to the heavens, he is there. If you go down to the underworld, there he is. You give yourself a lot of trouble not wishing to give up your evil ways and wishing not to be seen by God. Great trouble, great labor. You want to behave badly every day. Do you suppose you are not seen? Listen to the scripture saying, Will he who planted the ear not hear? Does he who fashioned the eye not observe? Where can you hide your bad behavior from God's eyes? If you don't want to give it up, a lot of laborious trouble is yours. Listen to him saying, Come to me, all you who labor. You don't put an end to your labor by running away. You prefer to run away from him, do you not? Not to him? 
find somewhere and run away there. But if you can't run away from him for the good reason that he is present everywhere, the next thing to do is to run away to God, who is present right where you're standing. Run away then. Do you see? You have run away beyond the heavens. He's there. You've gone right down to hell. He's there. Whatever solitary places of the earth you may choose, there he is, the one who said, I fill heaven and earth. So, if he fills heaven and earth, and there is nowhere you can run away to or from him, don't go on laboring with all that trouble. Run away to him where he's present right beside you to avoid experiencing him as he comes to judge you. Work on the assumption that you will see him by living a good life because you are seen by him even when you are living a bad one. When you live a bad life, you can be seen, but you cannot see. But if you live a good life, you are both seen and you see. God sees you in mercy as he calls you while you are still unworthy. With what a much more intimate look will he seize you as he rewards you for being worthy. Nathanael said to the Lord, whom he didn't yet know, How do you know me? The Lord said to him, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Christ sees you in your own shade. Won't he also see you in his own light? After all, what is the meaning of when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What's it getting at? What does it mean? Remember the original sin of Adam in which we all die? After he had first sinned, he made himself an apron of fig leaves, signifying by these leaves the itchy lust he had come down to by sinning. That's what we are born from. That's how we are born. We are born in the flesh of sin, which can only be healed by the likeness of the flesh of sin. That's why God sent his Son, in the likeness of the flesh of sin. That's what he came from, but that's not how he came. For the virgin did not conceive him by lust but by faith. He came into the virgin, having existed before the virgin. He chose the one he had created. He created the one he would choose. He brought the virgin fertility. He did not take away her virginity. So the one who came to you without the itch of fig leaves saw you when you were under the fig tree. 
Make yourself ready to see in this sublimity the one you have been seen by his mercy. But because that is a very high pinnacle, give a thought to the foundation. To what foundation, you ask? Learn from him, because he is meek and humble of heart. Dig in yourself this foundation of humility, and you will eventually reach the pinnacle of charity. St. Augustine of Hippo, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who in the abasement of your Son have raised up a fallen world, fill your faithful with holy joy. For on those you have rescued from slavery to sin, you bestow eternal gladness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>